We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. Hello, Prince Kaifian Pod listeners. It's Bethany here. Before we get started on today's episode, I just wanted to say a little disclaimer. Becca currently lives at a campground, so there are some lovely nature sounds in the background that just couldn't seem to edit out without ruining the audio quality of her beautiful vocals. So you may hear some tweeting from a bird. At one point there's barking and surprisingly enough, it's not from my dogs. I know there's crickets at some point. Hopefully it's not too much to annoy any of you, but I did want to give you a heads up so you are not surprised. Happy listening and don't get glamored. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Welcome to episode 66 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, the Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. I am your host, Bethany, and today's special guest is my former co-host, Miss Becca. Woohoo! And I'm sorry I totally made you laugh during your intro because 66, and then you suddenly go 66, and then you stumbled. <laughs> laughter is great! We love laughter. <laughs> that is so... So many. <laughs> wow. It's crazy, wow. right? It's super crazy. Oh my gosh, and you're wearing swimming. I just realized. I am. I'm wearing my Don't Get Glamoured t-shirt. I love it. <laughs> That's so great. Oh, dear. I want to oh. buy one for Quentin and make him masquerade around in my brand. <laughs> you know, and he would look great in the purple, though. He really would. He probably would, With yeah. With the yeah, the the purple and orange are, you know, complementary colors or whatever. So I actually, great. when I was younger, my favorite color was like yellow and orange. But in the last few years, my favorite color has been like burgundy purple color. And I finished reading the Caraval series. Yes, I finally finished it. It was amazing. I realized the reasons I was struggling to read it is that it is not the type of book you can read here and there. There's too many moving parts. You need to read it all at once. No pauses. Wow. That would be very difficult in your normal life if you were not on break right now. Yes. And it's very intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. But um, something that broke my heart is that one of the characters, I don't think this is too much of a spoiler, but there's an association with the color purple and evil. And I told Quentin about it, and he's like, yeah, that's kind of a trope. And I was like, I didn't, how did I not know this? And it, it, so it broke my heart a little. I was unaware. The only purple association I know. Yeah, royalty, which I mean, I guess like a lot of royalty through the ages has been evil, but. (laughs) Super evil. (laughs) Yeah. So how are you? What have you been up to in the last, um, we saw you a month, a month or two ago? Has it been that long? It seems like not that long. <laughs> um, yeah, because nothing happened. Um, uh, things are pretty okay. You know, you're hitting me early in the week. We're recording, you know, on a Monday, um, which always helps. I think by like Thursday and Friday is when I'm kind of at my limit and completely 
just bonkers, like yelling and throwing things. But early in the week, I feel really good about life. So that's a thing. Um, <laughs> I guess since we've talked, um, I got an email from work and previously, like originally they had said that they would try to start bringing us back in June. We got the thing saying, no, it's going to be after Labor Day for sure. And so a week or two ago, we got the email saying, just kidding. This is bonkers. Um, you're at home until at least 2021. <laughs> I, for one, am very excited about this because I am loving working from home. Good. Um, it's so great. You know, you know, if there was anyone I, I could say that would like not need to work at home, it would be the woman who has twin toddlers and lives in like 400 square feet. Oh, I mean, <laughs> 250. And that includes like the closets and the storage and everything. So really okay, like. So our- you have to explain to us how you've managed to make this perfect because Quentin and I have a whole house and uh-huh. I feel the cabin fever all the time. And I have, like, my own office this, in this house. Like, I have a futon couch situation going on here. <laughs> okay. So, and you you know also that we have another adult living with us. Yes. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, yes. So, we have a roommate <laughs> as well. Um, All in 250 square feet. I want snaps for Becca right now. I want everyone pause. Snaps for Becca. <laughs> Love it is the thing, and it's just it's so much more manageable. I'm like I'm still overwhelmed with life and with everything that needs done, but I'm just less overwhelmed by keeping up the house. Not that I'm keeping it up while I'm a terrible like housewife, whatever, whatever. Jerry's a stay at home dad, whatever. Um, but <laughs> you know, I mean, the shower needs scrubbed, and there's there. I'm sure already there are toys everywhere, even though I just picked them up before we started chatting like you know it's a disaster but my room okay we have a queen size bed it's not a regular queen size bed it's an rv queen okay it's like the width of a queen but shorter okay (laughs) if i have that would it work because quentin is too tall to have a shorter bed we need the extra long yeah yeah it would be a (laughs) Guys, it's fine for us, and I don't mind that my feet dangle off the end and hit the wall. Um, because there's definitely, you know, on my pillow, and then another child like between the two of us, and it, you know, a thing. Um, but around our bed, it's up against a wall at the head of the bed, and then on either side, there's about ten inches, and at the foot of the bed, there's maybe eight inches, and that is how big my bedroom is. I honestly don't think Quentin could handle a bed that small. No, he couldn't. No, Especially, like, small. if I'm in there and the dogs are in there. Like, he gets frustrated when the dogs jump up sometimes. Because, well, not Scamp, because Scamp is so small. And he kind of he puts himself in this, like, little tiny ball shape, right? Mm-hmm. But this new house that we're in has a ceiling fan. So Scamp likes to insert himself in between the two of us, and uh-huh. then Beowulf will lay across our legs. Oh, dear. Which is why they have dog beds. Like, just lay in your bed. That dog bed is, like, $55. It's all 
squishy orthopedic crap. Like I went all out for these dogs. And they have these really nice, like, soft fleece blankets to keep them warm and cozy. Like, and they're still jumping up on my bed. Oh, my goodness. Oh, dear. Quinton says it's my fault because I splurged with some of my scholarship money. Uh Uh-huh. And I bought one of those ridiculously amazing Vera Bradley comforters. Ooh. It was on sale. Well, that's good. For $142. Are you kidding me right now? No. How could I pass that up? And it's it's a pretty color, and it's not, like, super, you know, busy or anything. It's not one of those crazy busy patterns that they have. So I was like, I really can't not buy this. But it's really squishy. $142. Yeah, it was on the, it's at the exchange. This is bonkers to me that people pay that. <laughs> For Vera Bradley? I mean, I don't really get into, like, designer I only anything. Get in, I, I don't get into, like, designer necessarily, but I get into quality. Okay. And that stuff lasts, like, I'm talking decades. Like, my mother-in-law has had hers for the last 20 years. And it's, like, top-notch. I paid, we have a king size comforter, even though we have the smaller size mattress, because I like a lot of, you know, blankets. And you get a couple large people and a couple small children underneath the blanket, and it's not as large anymore, you know? (laughs) Um, I paid $20 at the Black Friday sale at Yonkers. So, I mean, that right there says that this was years ago. Like, we've probably had this stupid thing since before we were married. Nice. And I paid $20. So I have mine as a, like, I have the the bag and the wallet. about the bag. Well, I should say my mother-in-law gave me, like, a really big amount of money. Okay, I guess that makes it sound like a lot. It's like $85 or something. So I, I went to Vera Bradley, like, right after Christmas. They had this huge sale. And I always wanted to try out their purses because they last, like, a really long time. And they're really nice. And they're all squishy and cozy. And um, I was in there, and I was like, man, these are super expensive. Like, I don't know if I want to pay this price for a bag. And uh-huh. I saw these, these cute little old ladies were looking at bags, and they had purses already. So I was like, hey, this is a $60 bag. Tell me why to buy it. And she was like, mm-hmm. oh, honey, I've had my, I got mine, um, I got mine. When did I get mine, Sally? And Sally was like, you got that in 85. That girl has had her purse since 1985, and that thing is in good condition. Wow. Like, all you have, it's, it's so nice. So, they do have some crazy patterns, you know, like they do with the LuLaRoe stuff. So I just got plain blue because I'm not really a pattern person. But if you like patterns, they have all kinds of fun stuff. And they just started a Harry Potter line. I know Harry I, Potter's very controversial right now, but I like to think Harry Potter good. Maybe not everybody who's in Harry Potter is good, but that's just me. I, well, I've seen the advertisements for that. Uh, yeah, I'm very... um I'm very conflicted about my Potter love right now. Um, but did you did you see there was a meme on Facebook the other day? I have to read it to you that there's like no author. 
Isn't it amazing how Harry Potter doesn't have an author? Like, this amazing series just came into the universe to be shared with us. It's so great. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love that. And, you know, <laughs> if we learned anything from those books, it is that the world is not divided into good people and Death Eaters. True. So if somebody wrote Harry Potter and is also <laughs> a despicable excuse for a human and, you know, just really needs to shut up and, you know, actually learn some science because, you know, nothing that she says is scientific either. Clinton's um, favorite thing to say recently is shut up in color. Yeah. Mm, yeah, she should shut up in color. Maybe she'd feel better about life. Um, But, yeah, <laughs> I mean... She's spewing hate into the world, but she also spewed a bunch of good into the world. That just shows that, you know, we all have good and bad. And yeah, and this whole cancel culture bullshit is bullshit. Because I'm sorry, how many times have I fucked up? So many. You know, and if, if we're all like so scared to like post one terrible, despicable mistake, like, then what are we even doing here? Like, you know, if you're willing to learn, you know, if you're open to different ideas and listening to people who know things that you don't know, and I'm not even saying like know more than you know, or are smarter than you or, or more educated, but just everybody knows something that you don't know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe they also know a bunch of racist bullshit. Or they're like transphobic and need to go to hell. Um, but it doesn't mean they can't teach us something. That's true. And that's a good way to look at it because that's really all we can do. And I'm, I'm feeling a little bit of the heat right now because people are attacking Ellen and I always really liked her. So now I'm uh, like, I'm like, man, I feel like I've been lied to my whole life. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I've actually known for ages that Ellen is apparently despicable, so none of that was a surprise to me at all. The only thing that surprised me was that, like, Kevin T. Porter started the whole thing? Of all people! Like, the Gilmore guy took down... (laughs) The Gilmore guy picked down Ellen. How did that happen? Like, what even is the world? Well, like, my thing is, I don't have a lot of, like, people that I idolize, you know? There's people I sure. look up to, but in terms of, like, actual, like, holding them on a pedestal and there's, like, a halo above their head and glowing angels every time they appear, it, it's, like, Betty White and Michelle Obama. So if anybody ruins Betty White or Michelle Obama, I am not going to laugh. I'm not going to make it. I just I know I don't it. think the world could survive. <laughs> I, I don't, yeah, none of us could survive either of those. No, I can't. I just can't. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the myth of Ellen and the character of Ellen is a great thing. Just, you know, the person behind it apparently treats her staff like... <sighs> yeah. No, that was pretty, actually pretty common knowledge. Like, her former writers, um, they all have NDAs, but there's been a lot of, like, hinting around for like a decade or more. Yeah. yeah. But now we have, now we have social media and social media can spread those words like viruses. 
Yeah. But have you followed, though, how this started? I, I vaguely picked up on it, and I was like, if I read this, I'm going to get sad, and I don't feel like being sad today, so I just didn't okay. read it. Like, wait, I mean, this was like eight, like months and months and months ago. Kevin T. Porter of the Gilmore Guys posted on Twitter that he would donate. Wait, like should we bucks. talk about the Gilmore Guys podcast, right? The, yes. Gil, okay, so Gilmore Guys podcast was the first podcast that I ever really listened to. It debuted like about the same time that Serial did. So it was like, you know, when things were exploding. Uh, but him, so Kevin T. Porter and Demi uh, Dijuibe, who, Ooh. um, is PR now, so people know who he is. Um, they were like barely even friends, but they got together and they went through every episode of Gilmore Girls. And it was amazing. And some of their episodes were like five hours long. <laughs> this was like before I started listening to everything at two and a half speed. So, like, I literally went there and had your work day for one episode of Gilmore Guys and love it. I just loved it. It was so funny. So funny. And so that was how I heard about Best of Friends was from them. Yes. And I heard about Best of Friends from you. Okay. And then that's also how I discovered, like, April Richardson, who then led me to, like, Allison Rosen, who then led me to, like, the McElroys. Like, I just... That's how I found out about, like, everything that I listened to was from Gilmore Guys. Okay. Um, But, so, it's been over for forever because they went through, you know, everything, and then they were done. And then they did, like, Bunhead Bros, and um, I think he did, like, a Mrs. Maisel or something, there, and I don't really know. Um, But he posts on Twitter months and months ago that he would donate – Something like a hundred dollars to the LA Food Bank for anyone who would like talk about Ellen, basically. Like, and really, <laughs> like any any stories that he could get about her terrible behavior. Talk about spilling the tea, and people <laughs> did it. And he ended up donating like thousands of dollars or something. I don't. I don't mean. I don't know the actual amount, but it, it happened. <laughs> And it was crazy. And he is this kid. This kid is like what, like twenty five? I don't know. I'll take your word for it. He was like twenty two when Gilmore Guys started. So when was Gilmore Girls added to Netflix? And then add however many with twenty two. Anyway, he's like, I think I missed Gilmore Girls because when it got to Netflix, I tried to watch it and I just could not get sucked in. And Quentin even gave me a hard time because he used to watch it with his mom. Mm-hmm. So my husband has watched Gilmore Girls, but I, I couldn't get past like the first two or three episodes. I just couldn't get in. I couldn't get sucked into the story or attached to the characters or something. Okay. Yeah. And I was not like religious about watching it when it was first on. Um, but once it was added to like ABC family, I would watch it there. So that was a thing. Yeah. So, welcome back I mean, to the Tangent Podcast. You've <laughs> accomplished nothing. Everyone who can hear the dog barking, just ignore it. It's not mine, but just ignore it. A ridiculously big thank you to Everett underscore Hale on Instagram because I asked 
for headline newspapers, and you delivered beautifully. I shared it to Instagram already because I just couldn't wait until this episode came out to do it. So for chapter one of press, we talked about propaganda and uh, how easy it is for headlines to be misleading. And we talked about how, you know, our newspaper headline about the wolf attacks on planet Earth would be so incredibly different from a headline on Luna, where it would be that the soldiers were brave and they, you know, defeated the earthen mongrels and all this other stuff. And I was like, man, I really would love to see some newspaper clippings of that. And Everett underscore Hale delivered. I'm so happy. It's beautiful. Go check it out on my Instagram. It's amazing. Uh, there's even a picture. I just love it. That is so great. That is rad. Yeah. Oh my goodness. When you were in like elementary school, did you guys have like funny like educational computer programs where you would have to make like your own newspapers and stuff sometimes? No. Oh, we had that because computers were like, you. <laughs> but this is like giving me flashbacks to us. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of newspapers, I promised Patreon that I would start doing a monthly newsletter when I got to 25 patron members, which I did. So the month of August is the first monthly newsletter. It's out now. Join the Patreon and you can see the newsletter. I love it. That's so great. Yeah. So I promise we're going to do episode stuff. First, I've gotten a few reviews that I haven't shared recently. But since Becca is here, I kind of want to share them with Becca. So I know you're not like a permanent podcast member anymore, but you're like an honorary podcast host, right? Like you come when you can. Yes. Okay. This is from Madeline Loves Musicals. Hey, Madeline. So do I. That's awesome. Four stars. Such a fun listen. I love this podcast. It's so exciting and fun diving deep into the books and breaking each character down. TLC is my favorite book series, and it's so amazing to discover things I've never noticed before that Bethany and her guests point out. It really draws you into the world of Marissa Meyer. Bethany is such a great host, always so excited, passionate about the series and characters, and engaged with the guests on each episode. The tangents are so entertaining since they allow the listeners to get to know the host and guests on each episode. All the special features, Easter eggs and egg hatches, chapter titles and bonus episodes are wonderful touches. Bethany truly gets her whole heart and so much work into this podcast and it shows. Keep up the great work. I want to give Madeline like a virtual hug. Yes. That was really nice. Thank you, Madeline. Super sweet. It was. So this next one is from Boom Girl. That's cool. I like that. Hashtag boom girl. I've never seen a hashtag in a username. I did not know that was an option. That's I amazing. Like I made my username like a million years ago, so I think it says Ravenclaw Hermione with like an asterisk. <laughs> this is five stars. It says amazing. I love this podcast and everything about it. The hosts always point out things I never thought about and have a lot of theories that I completely agree with. Bruce Meyer is one of my favorite authors and to have a podcast that is based off of the books is like a dream. New episodes can't come fast enough. Keep up the good work. Bailey. If that's the same Bailey that just joined Patreon, thank you. 
Oh, well, that's amazing. And then oh we have goodness. one more. This is adorable. Okay, so we've got five stars here. It's from every underscore nickname underscore was <laughs> underscore. I adore. And we have, what's the first emoji? It is an android arm in the, like, guns pose. Oh, cool. Okay, so we've got <laughs> bionic arm flexing, a banana, a tomato, and a wolf. And no, it's not a banana. Not a banana. A crescent. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like banana. <laughs> I was thinking a banana was like something that I didn't know that would like come later. That's, oh my gosh, that's a moon. Oh dear. I'm dumb. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, four cute little emojis that totally have to do with the books and no random bananas. <laughs> the best. I love TLC and Marissa Meyer and I'm listening to it nonstop. Perfect. Simple and sweet. Yay. So big thank you for all of those because I love getting new reviews. Also want to point out, because I've had a lot of people ask about it, of course I bought the new Taylor Swift CD. Of course I loved it. Uh, my favorite song so far is The One. Quentin's favorite song is Invisible String. My sister Lindsay's favorite song is Invisible String. And I did create a bonus episode for the Patreon if you want to check it out, all about the new album. So, yeah. That is oh, okay. Okay. One more thing, because I already forgot. What are you reading and or watching? Great. Okay. Yeah. So I am reading Crest. I am on chapter 33. You're covering for like eight or nine today. You guys, yes. I'm longer unspoiled. I have read ahead. This is okay. Yay. Not to myself. So I'm reading Crest. I bring her with me to sell my plasma. <laughs> she keeps it. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, oh, I love her. That is what I'm reading. I am watching um, a lot of Criminal Minds. I never um, watched it before, and so I'm Netflixing it from the beginning. Uh, and then, you know, as always, so much Daniel Tiger. Just <laughs> Tiger all the time. <laughs> My, I have a big list of books that I'm trying to get through while I'm on break. I just finished the Caraval series. Uh, I'm gonna read, I finished the first book in the Abandoned series by Meg Cabot, which is a Persephone and a Hades retelling. Love Meg Cabot. She's so great. She was the other person I considered doing a podcast about, but I chose Marissa. Sorry, Meg. Uh, <laughs> And uh, my new Twilight book should get here in the mail tomorrow. So I'm going to read that. Very exciting. Well, that's awesome. The, yes. the goal of reading as much as possible in the next two weeks. <laughs> so let's talk about Fan Art Friday. From Laura Hollingsworth, it's perfection for this chapter. It's Cress. And then our very first look at Jason. But Marissa said it's okay that I chose to say Justin. Because she understands. she I mentioned it in the episode, and she said it was okay. So, Justin is approved. <laughs> I, okay, can, and I meant to text you today about this when I was listening to that episode. I want to know how this works with Rebecca Solaire and the audiobooks. And does Marissa, the author, not have, like, 
open communication when those are being recorded? Is there no, like, this is how things are pronounced? Because the eco-ico thing is interesting to me. And I would have thought that that would have been a discussion. Yeah, I definitely need to ask about that next time we do an episode together. Because she did say she would come back. Because I also think that's weird. And it's not just like... Justin, Jason, Iko, Eco. There's also um, Audrey versus Adri. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, Dr. Erland versus Dr. Erland or Erland. Mm-hmm. So those are very mm-hmm. different. Um, I feel like there's more and I can't think of them off the top of my head. But uh, definitely a question to ask because yeah. I'd just love to know how that works logistically when audiobooks are done and so you should probably just have Rebecca Solaire on to talk about that because that would be amazing Marissa said she's really friendly maybe I should Instagram her and do like an interview about audiobooks probably should because voice acting is fascinating oh yeah and Quentin wants to Quentin wants to look into it now that he's a, a podcast actor star he was very yeah. proud of that episode. Apparently, it's, like, really super hard to break into, but, man, if you do, it's so neat, and I just want to know everything. He's so handy to have around, though. I cannot do those, like, deep tone, scary voices at all. I I sound like a five-year-old trying to be scary. If anything, it makes you laugh and not scared. Yeah. But his scary yeah. voice is great, right? He's terrifying. It totally is. Um... Laura Hollingsworth. <laughs> I love, I love these. Yes. Okay. Chris, first of all, is perfect. I picture her hair, of course, quite a bit longer. But well, that would be possible to draw. Well, we talked about it on Patreon because we just had our Patreon Zoom meeting. And one of the things we do in the Zoom meeting is I show them all the upcoming fan art. And... If you look closely, it's actually wrapped around her arm. So she's not just holding like it up. Yeah, it's actually, like, wrapped around her arm multiple times, like in layers. I suppose she could have wrapped it around her arm a gazillion times. Yeah. But I also I also went crazy and did the math. And even <laughs> on average, the hair growth, like, based off of the average amount of hair growth in a year, her person. So if she went into the satellite bald, her hair would be at least four and a half feet long. Now let's assume she didn't go in there bald, right? Sure. So her yeah. hair is at least four and a half feet long, but probably quite a bit longer. Yeah. I'm five foot two. So if my hair were four and a half feet long, it would be down to like my knees. Wow. And it would, I mean, it depends as well on, like, your growth and shed cycle, right? So, you know, your hair, it'll grow for however long it grows, and then that strand will fall out. That is, that happens. And so, like, my hair pretty much does not get longer than it is right now. Like, it just never gets any longer. Yeah, mine grows all the time, as we know, because I'll grow it to, I usually grow it to about my belly button. And then I cut off like 20 inches. I grow it long enough that I feel like I have pretty curly mermaid hair for like a month. And then I just want, I want it all gone. 
I hold mine all gone, and you see, like, it's only this long. That's all. We have, like, the same length of hair, right? Okay, I guess mine's a little shorter, but almost, almost the same length. If yours was straight, it might be about the same. That's like, true. I can just bring straight up. God, we cannot stay on topic today. <laughs> Cress is really pretty in her blue dress, and <laughs> I love also it because when I read this bit about the dress and being short because she got it when she was 13 and it remind and I know that you're not a bonnet head, but it reminded me of the little house on the prairie when Laura and Mary had their dresses that were too short. And like Nellie Olson and the school bullies called them long legged snipes because like their dresses were shamefully short. Is that a bad word? I don't think so. Okay. It's not on my list. I have, in order to keep my PG-13 rating, I have a list of words I'm allowed to say and a list of words that have to get beeped out. So, like, I'm allowed to say bitch, ass, and damn. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me of that bit in Little House. And then the illustration that accompanies that in the Little House books. Their dresses are the exact length of Cress's dress here. And it kind of just is perfect to me. Like, this is exactly like I pictured. Perfect. I love it. I like how, like, little she looks. Because we talked about goldfish effect and that maybe that's why she's such a small person. And I, I love the color, the blue with her eyes and her hair. It looks so pretty. And Jacin, Jacin looks great. He's all tall and broody, and I love the curly hair. I love the uniform. Yes. Yeah. And he's got the good stance for it. Totally. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, I should have asked Ashley, because I don't think that that's quite standing at attention. I think his hands should be clasped together, but it's still a nice pose. I like it. Yeah, I think if he were at attention, his hands would be not up on his waist more like that. I think they would be, like, yeah, just clasped, like, more down. Yeah. At least that's how it was in marching band. (laughs) He's not at attention anyway. His feet aren't at attention. He's at ease. Except That's what I meant. I'm sorry. That's what I... Well, even at ease... Okay, so I'm going to show you. You have your arms to your sides, right? But as he like this. Oh, is it? So their hands are together, but okay. like like the one like one hand would be on the bottom, another hand would be on the top, and then they clasped. It looks like in the picture, however, that his arms are sort of bent and resting exactly. on top of each other, um, like forearms on top of each other as opposed to hands clasping. Now, I only know the US military, so um with all the different military styles and traditions and cultures across the world, this could easily be, you know, a, a practiced stance. Uthron Luna, yeah. Yeah. Or artistic uh, choice. Exactly, yeah. But yeah. I, I love I love it. It's perfect. So a big thank you to Laura Hollingsworth for sharing that with us, and you can check out her Instagram for so much more. She has so much fan art, it's amazing. Wonderful Rampion Crew Patreon members voted on chapter titles for chapter 6 and chapter 7. Spoiler Queen Ruth will be very happy. Only the Young One by Taylor Swift. She's very hopeful for that. And How to Save a Life 
is Chapter 7 by The Fray. Hi, this is Leah Stuhler, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guests and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast. And now, back to the show. So chapter eight, we left off last week with Kai and Nancy speculating. There's another one, Nancy versus Nancy. Yeah. I always said Nancy, but I know some people say Nancy. Uh-huh. Um, but we left off, Kai and Nancy were speculating if Cinder was going to help them find Celine, and Dr. Erlon realized that this disease is now infecting lunars. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah, that's really bad. Which apparently yeah. I mistyped, so I'm gonna fix that. Um, so we're now we're back with Cress. She's showering and singing opera. I tried to find like the perfect aria to suggest as like the title for the chapter, and I couldn't. I couldn't come up with like the perfect one. Yeah, I, d- I did a quick peek, and then I was like, you know, I, I really like the song I originally thought of, so I'm just going to stick with that, because I probably, I'm out of my comfort zone a little bit looking into stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I was too, and I was a music major. Yeah, I just, yeah. not a music major. <laughs> I did choir, but uh, not not big in all the other stuff. Got yeah. piano, and that's it. She's just so sweet, dancing around her satellite, just seeing awful things, like, and I love it, and then later I hate it, so let's just it made it. Me, it made me think of that episode in Friends where Rachel says that she um, always wins the Shampoo Grammy Award. <laughs> Best new artist. <laughs> she doesn't know the translation, but the song is about heartbreak and love and tragedy, and loneliness, and pain, and more love, and she can feel all the emotions, and love is what she wants more than anything in the world, more than freedom, more than acceptance, just true love that fills you up, and is full of dramatic gestures, and sacrifices, and is irresistible, and all-encompassing, and oh my god, she's so me 10 years ago. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> I'm loving it so, and I love that she, like, at the end, just, like, collapses on the tower wall, and she's like, this this line, why didn't I pick this as my quote? She was being ridiculously melodramatic, but it was well-deserved. <laughs> it's, so it's so, it's so me, like, I, I, this is just, I'm such a hopeless romantic, I really am, and that's why I just, like, completely melt inside for, like, anything even remotely romantic. Um, so this was definitely me, like, right up until actually becoming an adult and learning what real love and real romance is and not the mushy-gushy stuff I always saw on TV. And I still will get completely weak in the knees for all this stuff. Quentin and I watched a movie this weekend that I had not seen before called um, T- Ten Things I Hate About You. You have not, I had not seen it, and apparently it's like one of the few chick flicks that Quentin like loves. 
And I thought it was so sweet. I, I bawled my eyes out when she started reading her poem. I was just in tears. It was so beautiful. Okay. If you were, if you were like my age or within like one or two years up or down from me, you absolutely would have seen that movie a thousand billion times because it's like huge. Um, and it is like one of the defining movies of like my generation. Well, it's, the thing is, I remember when that movie came out and I remember how yeah. big it was, but it was also at a time when I didn't have a TV or sure. any way of watching TVs and movies. And so it just kind of, you know, it went past my, it, it went past me, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. it was really good. I love that movie. Heath Ledger on the bleachers. He's so good. He's such a good singer. That movie is just, it's gold. Glory. Yeah. Yes. Yes. What's funny is, like, this is a testament to how long we've been together, right? Because the movie starts, and Quentin is like, oh, my God, I was so obsessed with her when I was younger. For Julia Stiles, and I was like, she's really pretty. So I totally get that. Also, her hair in that movie is so pretty, all those curls. And then, like, a few minutes later, Heath Ledger comes on, and I was like, yep, and there's mine. (laughs) I was obsessed with him after watching The Night's Tale at my cousin's house. I was so obsessed with him. Ah, I'm sad. I'm sad. I'm going to silence Ricky Blender. Oh, my gosh. But but the beginning of this chapter, though, is, like, it's so realistic. Like, she's, she's a captive on a satellite waiting for a spaceship with a princess on it run by an android chip to come rescue her. And yet what part of this is, what part of this is so realistic? (laughs) What she is doing, how she is feeling. Despite all that, it feels real. Like she is a person here. I'm excited for her too. reading this chapter. I went from giddy to terrified to like pure anxiety just reading this chapter. And I, I will share a little secret with all of the listeners. Typically I will read a chapter, take notes, and then I will close my book until next time. That did not happen. Would you like to know how far ahead I read? Absolutely. I finished winter. (laughs) I have the audio books and I squeezed it in. I could not stop reading. And Quinta was like, but you've read it before. I was like, I know but it's just so good. You don't understand. <laughs> okay. I'm that's hilarious. I love it. Love it. Yes. So she's singing. She's actually dizzy because she's singing so much and she's out of breath. So she needs to work on her diaphragm muscles, but we'll get to that. <laughs> her showers are timed to reserve water. So it like clicks off. I don't know what that's like, but you do. Yeah, I mean, we don't. Um, yeah, ours aren't technically timed, but um, this time last year when we were staying out at Louisville, they were because you had to put quarters in to pay oh. for it. <laughs> yeah, you would get for 25 cents, you'd get like three minutes. And I got my whole routine down to three minutes. Nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that was a thing. A million years ago, uh, in my apartment, the 
this is the first time it had ever happened to me that a pilot went out. And I was too afraid to relight it. Yes. So I was, like, boiling water on the stove and taking baths. And Quentin came over. This was before we were dating. This was when we were just friends. And Quentin came over and and lit it for me. And it went out again, like, a week later. And I didn't even try. I was just like, you're going to come help me out again, right? He was like, you know, as a grown adult who's in her second apartment, I feel like you should know how to do this. And I was like, but... I, I know, I like looked it up online at one point when I was at the library and somebody had blown off her eyebrows. So I was like, no, I need my eyebrows. So I made Quentin, (laughs) I made Quentin come and light my pilot for me so I would have hot water. (laughs) That was the first terrifying homeowner thing that I had to do was light my pilot light on my water heater. It was so scary. I took cold showers for like three or four days before I got brave enough. And I watched every YouTube video and I like wrote out my will and like deleted my history. <laughs> and like it was a whole thing. Um, it's, it's terrifying. Yeah, it's super scary. I can't do it. I still can't. I'm 30 years old. And if our pilot went out right now, I would tell Quentin to take care of it. Yeah. Yeah, but right now, I mean, we're on city water, right? So I have all the water that I need, and I can open the gray tank, too, so that it can drain all that it needs without filling up. So I theoretically could take a shower for, like, five days nonstop, but the hot water (laughs) is probably six gallons is the average. Okay, um, so not very long. Yeah, so it will not stay hot very long. Um, so I definitely, you know, I get it hot as quickly as I can. I jump in and then I do like the army shower thing. I'll, we have the oh, switch on the shower head. Do you have soap and on I, a rope? I don't have soap on a rope. No, I don't. Um, but I get all wet and then I turn the shower head off. What I shampoo the hair and then I do like the body wash you know, head to toe. And then I turn the thing back on and rinse. But like, as I'm rinsing from the neck down, I'm conditioning. Mm. So by the time like my feet are not soapy, I come back, I rinse out the conditioner and I'm done. Yeah. And Cress has it so well timed that not only does she run out of water when she's prepared to, for the most part, she also ends the song like, yes. while she's ending her shower. I love this. How I love it so much. So good. And she's so excited. She's crying tears of joy because today is the day. In one hour and 15 minutes, they're coming to rescue her. She's known for 14 hours that she's going to have freedom and friendships and purpose. <sighs> and then it just all goes to hell. And I hate it. You know, and she's going to be with him. I know. Oh, and she's like so smitten. <laughs> she's so the smitten kitten. She is the smitten <laughs> And this is where I love when she says that she imagines she has an audience because I used to do that all the time when I was younger. So my sister Lindsay and I, hey girl, because I know she listens to the podcast, we used to pretend we were doing like music videos in our rooms. So like oh, we yeah. would listen, we would listen to like 
the Hillary Duff CD or something, and then we would pretend that we were a music video dancing to the like to the thing, and we would like act out scenes and dance with umbrellas and like throw ribbons in the air and all the really cool stuff that you do when you're 14. <laughs> okay. So she's in the shower. She's imagining people throwing roses on her. She says she has no idea what roses smell like. And I think that's fine because I think roses smell yucky. I do not like the way they're very pretty, but I cannot stand the way they smell. So whenever Quentin buys me flowers, they have to be daisies because I like daisies. I think they look happy. Daisies do look happy. I love daisies. Yeah. Um, roses are just okay. Like, yeah. yeah, I don't think that they smell that great either. Um, they're, they're like peonies that aren't as pretty. Yeah. But peonies smell nice. Do they? Yeah. Yeah. So, like Outcast says, roses really smell like poo-oo-oo. <laughs> For anybody else from the 2000s. <laughs> her head is yeah. very heavy. Her scalp hurts because her hair is so heavy. Uh, probably. Yeah. Um, I, also, I, I'm sorry. I love that she had to um, stand up before her hair got stuck down the drain. Oh, that is so funny. There's so much of it. She has to just have headaches all the time. I, I mean, one of the reasons I always cut my hair when it starts to get really long is because it gives me a headache. And this last time I cut my hair was the longest it's ever been. It was 21 inches that I cut off. And they weigh your hair when you donate because a certain weight is like, okay, this is acceptable to, to donate. And I got to donate my hair twice because it weighed over four pounds. And it was down and it was down to my belt. Well, it's really thick hair. So it was yeah, down to my that I just can't fathom that. Yeah. And it was down to my belly button. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was, prob- it was pretty long. I cut up to my chin, so there was, it was really long. But, like, okay, so imagine that, but three times as long, if not more. Like, that, she's got to have at least 10 pounds of hair on top of her head. I just hope, for her sake, that somehow her hair is, like, as fine and thin as mine is, even though it's that long, because... Otherwise, just how could you even function? Yeah, it's too much. Well, it's, I mean, I'm just picturing her, like, walking around with her head pulled back all the time because it's so long. Just a headache every day. Just yeah. a headache. So, she, she doesn't want to get a headache right now, though. Mm-hmm. Because it's not the day for a headache. And I'm pretty sure we've all been there, right? Where it's like... Not that any day is good for a headache, but there are some days where, like, it just will not fly. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of the last time I had, like, a really inconvenient migraine. Because when I get a migraine, I'm done. I can't do anything. Yeah, same. Ashley's amazing. She can, like, um, like, like, work right through it. She'll, like, play video games and stuff. I don't know how she does it. She must just have different symptoms than I, I mean, migraines are so, um, they vary so much. They do. Yeah. And for me, for me, it's like light sound. I get nauseous. Everything feels like heavy. Um, it's just horrible. But I think the last really inconvenient one that I had, 
I had to power through because it was, um, I was a guest on somebody else's podcast and I didn't want to cancel because I thought that that would be unprofessional. So, uh, I just kind of died as soon as it was over. Yeah. I really just cannot power through most of the time. I had one one time that I had no choice because I was on a field trip, basically. It was in college, but the band had gone to do, like, a little mini concert at a high school, like, I don't know where, a couple towns over. And so I had no choice, you know, because I was on a bus and then I was in a concert and yeah, whatever had to power through, but I know that it was just obvious to the whole world that I was not okay. Yeah. I don't know how I made it home that day, honestly. Like, I mean, we've all been there. Or maybe not we've all been there. Not everybody has migraines, but like a really bad headache can be really debilitating too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The problem with my migraines is um, any movement, any sound, any light is a problem. It's not even or smells. It's yes. Oh, the smells. Yeah. It's just a, yeah, I get pain. Mine's physical pain. Well, I mean, I have the physical pain, but like I can deal with physical pain. Oh no. I have a full threshold for pain. Oh, I passed out for my shoulder. I passed out because I had a, a dislocated shoulder, which I'm told most people do just fine with it hurts, but they're fine. Like I passed out like three times and I threw up. Yeah. I'm a big baby. I don't think that you probably are. I think that that's probably extremely painful. And also, um, most people, there is no most people, (laughs) you know, maybe your ligaments are tighter than the average. And so it, you know, tore more and hurt more or, you know, you don't know. Every, everybody's different. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah. You know what I think would also be really bad is it doesn't mention that she has anything. Like she doesn't have like bare aspirin or Tylenol PM or et cetera and headache. Like, so if she gets a headache, like what can she do? Just lay in her bed and watch friends reruns. I mean, yeah. That's, like, all she can do, right? Because I'm sure that Sybil would never bring her anything specifically for her comfort. No, I don't think she would. No, I suppose if she was being crafty, she could explain, like, well, if I have a headache, I can't get work done, you know? So she could kind of, but she doesn't seem like the type to manipulate the situation, so. Yeah, I don't think she would. So she turns the volume down and she has a message. There's a chime and she got a message. They're going to be there in 68 minutes. Oh, that's so exciting. I love it. 68 minutes. Um, I think Marissa Meyer writes this so well. I can feel like how giddy she is and how excited she is. And she's practically like just bouncing off the pages. And it makes me so happy for her. Which is why I get really upset in a little while. But we'll get to that. (laughs) So she puts on her favorite dress. She's combing out her hair. She Now, okay, anybody who doesn't have long hair, I'm going to educate you real quick. And anybody with kids whose hair gets tangled, easiest way to brush hair 
is to start at the bottom, not the top. If your hair is long and it's taking you a while to untangle it, it's because you're constantly moving the tangles down. Start at the bottom, do little sections all the way up. That's just my, from someone who had really long, really curly hair for a really long time, that is my recommendation to you. Anyways, um, <laughs> she has, she can't just look presentable. She has to look irresistible. That's, I'm sorry, it's so cute, but yes. I remember when Quentin first got back from his first deployment, and I, I don't usually wear makeup, I don't usually wear high heels, I'm a short person, I accepted it a long time ago, I'm a clumsy person, I don't need heels to help me out, but I went all out, I picked out such a cute outfit, it was one of those skirts that like stops at your knees but goes up to like your waist, and and I had heels, and I had my hair done, and, uh, like, I actually used a curling iron to curl it, so it was, like, fancy curls, not, like, my natural waves or whatever. I felt so pretty. I think that was the last time I tried to be irresistible or whatever. I love it. I don't remember <laughs> the last time that I even put on mascara. I don't even own any. I have it because... The older I get, the more I realize you have to have it. I don't like it, but did you know women are 65% more likely to get hired in a job interview if they're wearing makeup? Because it shows that they care about their appearance. I just don't approve of the world being that way, and I would like to opt out. Agreed. Yeah. But that's how it is. But she doesn't have makeup. So it's fine. She doesn't have jewelry. She doesn't have perfume. She doesn't have proper clothing. She's just as pale as the moon with frizzy hair. Which I love. And I'm sorry, though. She's talking about braiding her hair to keep it under control. Her hair is however the heck long it is, and she is going to braid her hair. I braided my hair on Friday, just like for the heck of it, and um, my hands were sore by the time I got done braiding my short, thin hair. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine. <laughs> my tendonitis would not allow me to braid half of her hair. <laughs> <laughs> See, so I'm, much. I'm, I'm good with hair because I have sisters, right? So my sisters and I, we all used to do each other's hair. Um, and yeah. then I also, my nieces are mixed and I learned how to do their hair. But even if she doesn't do like a French braid, even if she just starts like at mm-hmm. the, at the end of her hair. Yeah. She would need an hour, right? Yeah. Just, or maybe take breaks. I get, yeah, I guess she could take bre- I can't take breaks because my hair is like so... It, it, there's no texture to it, right? Mm, so okay. there's no stop. Because it'll all just fall out if you're not completely done and have it completely secure. You right. Know? But hers, yeah, she probably could. She probably could just, like, you know, clip it and come back. When my hair was really long, I could take breaks. I wouldn't even have to clip it. It would stay. If it was wet, it would stay together. Wow. It's I don't really know what that would like. And it's really my, coarse. Like, mine won't, mine's so, what, whatever the opposite of all of those things is. Like, my ponytails don't even stay in. So, my ponytail is, like, ginormous. 
Can you oh see how God. big that is? Yeah. And, and how I, many I, times I twice. Twice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, I have the little miniature rubber bands, and they go around like four or five times. Well, I don't even know if I could get one around my whole head. Prob- I probably couldn't. Those little tiny ones, no. Probably not. But, I mean, everybody has different hair. This is why my mom used to buzz the under half of my hair when I was younger. She would shave half my head so it was lighter. So maybe maybe she needs to shave half her head. Maybe. Yeah. So she does have a mirror so she can, you know, check out her reflection and make sure that she's irresistible. Sorry, that's interesting to me is how did she get a mirror? There was probably one, like, commissioned with the satellite, right? Like, when it was built or whatever. But, like, why would there have been if it was a lunar-built satellite? Like, I well, guess she's not super them, but why would they even exist in their society, really? Well, I don't know for sure, but so the mirrors being a superstition, it doesn't affect everyone the same way that like not everyone is afraid of the cameras, right? Because like all the lunars on Earth are fine with having the camera on them except for Lavana. She's she wears her her veil. So maybe it's a um vanity thing. Yeah, depending on, like, how vain you are, you might not mind seeing yourself in the mirror, or you might be super not okay with it, like LaVonna. That makes sense, like a spectrum. I could also see, this is, this is really far out there, so feel free to tell me I'm crazy. I could see a part of Sybil wanting her to have a mirror as a reminder that she is not like other lunars. Hell yeah. Is that, am I pushing it? No, I think that's completely plausible. She's a very, like, manipulative person, so I could see her trying to play with Cress's psyche that way. Oh, absolutely. That's how you control people, is you just screw with them, you know? Yeah. I like that. Yeah? Cool, I did it. And then out of nowhere, little Cress, Mistress Sybil is going to arrive in 22 seconds. Who invited that. that bitch? Nobody. Why is she there? Oh my god. Oh, for, this is where I started getting like heart palpitations and having like anxiety. And I think I had anxiety from here until the end of winter. <laughs> Cress can't have this today. She's already yeah. packed and ready to go. Her clothes and stuff are all shoved into this, this drawer and sitting on her bed like ready to go. Yeah, it's, like, super obvious that she's running away. And she's it, been back. So she rushes. Yeah, she's rushing. She's trying to put everything away. She spends seven seconds trying to push the drawer in. Girl, give up on that drawer and close off that computer. Okay, also, like, because normally her, like, satellite is really messy. So, like, why put the drawer back? Why not just, like, toss it, you know? Like, just throw it in the air and let it be messy. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that's what I would have done. Is or shove just, it under the bed or something. I don't know. This, yeah. This, the second it doesn't go in, you 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 think of something else to do. Well, but you don't, though. When you're panicking, yeah. that would totally be me. It would be me, and it would be more than seven seconds. I would just be, like, trying and trying and trying to get that stupid drawer in and just, like, panicking more with every second. Yeah, like, it would just get 
It's so stressful. But she does manage to get through Doran. She closes everything out. She has, like, one second to close off the computer. And all she manages to do is, like, click it. She just shuts down the screen. She doesn't have a chance to turn everything off, so she just shuts down the screen. So Mistress comes in. She's in a super good mood. Um, so Cress, like, accidentally smiling at Sybil when she comes in, is like Monica leaving the breezy message on Richard's answering machine. <laughs> yeah. Cress is not breezy. She's like, oh, hello, what a surprise, how are you? Big smile on her face, and Sybil's like, ugh, earth and music. Right. Because there is lunar arts, but she doesn't have access to them. Because they don't want to be recorded because they like to alter the perception of their audience. I don't understand how this society is the way that it is. They know that it's all fake. So how have they convinced themselves that even though they know that it's fake, it's good enough as real? Like... The way that this was worded made me think that they were not just changing their appearance or changing their performance, but, like, actively, like, controlling the minds of the people watching it. Maybe their emotions? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're, like, manipulating emotions, not manipulating what they're seeing or hearing or experiencing, but what they're actually See, and in some ways that's good, and in some ways that's bad, right? Like, if you have consent, I could see where that would be good, because it would capture so much of your attention. It would be this, this like, all-body-encompassing and emotionally-encompassing experience, right? Whereas people are always like, like my husband, when he's watching TV, he's on his phone. Mm-hmm. You know, this would be a way to keep you 100% engaged, but I, I feel like I want to cry because I'm moved by the by the story and the actors and not because someone manipulated. Is that the right word? Yeah. Bioelectrically manipulated me. But just because it says alter audience perception, I, I feel like maybe it's both, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's just so sad. Like, I guess if you grew up that way, like, you don't know any different. True. Like, lunars don't have access to all this Earth stuff that Crest does, so they don't have any, they don't know any other way of... Yes, they don't even have can openers. No. (laughs) Do you hear Scamp just bark, so he agrees, they need can openers. They gotta get into his whatever he eats. (laughs) (laughs) So, Crest turns off the music because Sybil hates earth and music. Of course she does. She tries to figure out why Sybil is there, and I wrote in my notes, because plot twist! (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) But she glares at the big mess and says, ugh, whatever, I have a new assignment for you. The primary feed from the palace has been disabled. The recorder from the emperor's office has been disabled. We need another one, like, right now, and it needs to be untraceable. Can you have it ready by tomorrow? She's like, oh, yeah, sure, of course. Anything you say. Yes, ma'am. Okay, 
Too eager. Chill, chill, chill. <laughs> That's super unrealistic. I know. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I've ever been in a situation like this, but I don't think I have. So I don't know how I would react. Probably like Cress. I'm a very like awkward person. Yeah, same. Quentin and Ashley, too, are very good about like having slow reactions to the situations around them. Maybe it's a military thing because they're taught to behave a certain way, but they're very good at like observing everything that's going on and having a slow reaction so that they have time to think about what they're going to do and think about what they're going to say. And I'm so not like that. Same. Yeah. As listeners know, because we go on tangents, right? Like if we, if we were like that, we would think before we talk and we'd be like, no, that's a tangent. Let's stay on track. (laughs) I'm just going to blame my ADHD. I don't have ADHD. Well, do you want to borrow some of mine? Okay. Cut my stuff. <laughs> okay. So, like, oh, shiny. I have what my mom used to call awake syndrome, but I don't think that's what it actually is. It's one of the reasons that I have to sleep with the TV on. Oh, wow. Because if I just try to lay down and go to sleep, my brain starts thinking of all the things that I need to do that I haven't accomplished, and I won't be able to sleep until I go and accomplish those things. Which is why I have sleeping pills now, because it causes severe anxiety in me. Like, um, I have, this This is my list pad. And wow. every morning I wake up and I make a list of, like, this is all the stuff I need to get done by the end of the day. If I don't finish this list, I won't be able to go to sleep at night. Wow. So when people, when people ask, like, how do you have a job and go to school and a podcast and do all this stuff? It's because I'm crazy. Well, therapist says crazy is not in the DSM. I just have what my mom calls awake syndrome. If I am awake, I need to be doing something. And if I'm trying to go to sleep, my brain still needs to be somewhat engaged in something or I'll feel like I'm missing out on stuff. Yeah, there's probably a real word for it, but I like my mom's version. Yeah. So, Chris asked, should it be another light disguise? And Sibba wants it to be more hidden because the last time they had a palace worker hide it, and that was too mm-hmm. easy to trace, so now they're going to have a Thama do it. Chris yeah. realizes she's being too agreeable, and if Cinder saw her mistress's ship, then they would know it was a trap, or they would feel like it was a trap, right? Yeah. And I would not yeah. hang out there, I would leave. Yep. This cute little lunar girl is not a victim. She's not a a rescue pet that we can grab on our way. No more picking up strays. We're out of here. Yep. But surely, Sybil's going to be gone soon. She's going to leave before the hour is up. She's never there very long. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if if Kress had been able to just calm herself, which, I mean, obviously she can't, and I couldn't either in that situation. I'm not judging her. However... Had she been able to just calm herself and actually, like, be somewhat normal, this would not have been a problem. Well, also, you know, had she not packed early, had she not spent seven extra seconds shoving the drawer in, had she had the time to actually shut down her computer, not just turn it off, like, so many things. Yeah, yeah, a lot went wrong here. There's a lot of, like, moving parts. It's that whole, like serendipitous thing right which it is I mean there are moments in everybody's life that are serendipitous a friend of ours met 
This is how he met his wife. They were in a Walmart parking lot. She dropped her bottle of water. It rolled under his car. That is incredibly serendipitous. So, like, they both had to be at the same Walmart at the same time. They both had to be heading to, to their cars at the same time. She had to drop her water. It had to roll down towards his car. He had to be at his car at the same time. They had to be willing to, like, there's just so many moving parts, you know? Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. And it's like, how does anything ever happen, ever? <laughs> but, like, just the probability of anything yeah, is just, it just blows my mind. I can't think too hard about it. It creeps me out. So it, it's one of those things where you have to, like, trace every tiny movement back. And it goes crazy, like how you and I met. You and I met because I worked at the the daycare with Julie and Reagan and Megan and all of them. But I yeah. worked at that daycare because a friend of mine suggested it. And I only knew that friend because her husband and my husband went to tech school together. And I'm only even married to my husband because, like, this this whole big thing. And it's and so I want everybody to take a moment, pause the episode. And think about a moment in your life that was, like, incredibly serendipitous. And then just be happy. Just absorb it and let it make you happy. Yeah. I only even have, I mean, I only met you because I work where I work. But I wouldn't work where I work if I hadn't been venting to my personal trainer when Lori came in to sign up for classes at our old gym. Like, yeah. and heard me at the point, like, hey, what do you do now? And I happened to be working at a health insurance company, so it was somewhat relevant. Like, yeah. I mean, in order to meet Quentin, I had to get a job at Hardy's at the same time that I got, that he worked there, right? Yeah. I didn't even apply to work there. I worked at McDonald's, the General manager from Hardee's came in through the drive-thru to check out the competition, saw how fast I was working, offered me a job at 10 cents more an hour. Oh, my God. So I, the only reason I even, and the only reason Quentin worked there was because um, he didn't like working at Dairy Queen. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just all these crazy things that have to, it's, there are so many things in your life that may seem really small, like, oh, yeah, I met my friend through this. But if you really pull yourself back and look at a huge picture of all the moving parts, it's kind of incredible uh-huh. how it all works out. Yeah. Like, everybody take a moment and think about how you found these books and this podcast, because that is probably serendipitous as well. Well, I mean, I found them because I was complaining to Marty that I hated my job and Lori overheard and I went to work where I work and I met you and <laughs> you know There's so many things that are involved in just these tiny conversations right absolutely yeah. so what Sybil wants to know is not how serendipitous life is she wants to know if there's anything that she has to report mm-hmm because Chris's job is also cyber espionage is the word I came up with. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Yes, I did it. So she has to monitor feeds and report back. And she doesn't have anything to report because everybody's talking about the wedding and questioning Emperor Kai's decision. Mm-hmm. 
Another one, his name is Emperor Kaito, and in the audiobooks they say Kaito. Oh. Huh. I just noticed that because in preparation for this, I was listening to the chapter. Yeah. Okay. So, Europe ordered weapons, and Sybil interrupts her and is like, I know what they're capable of. Yeah. This is a really humanistic moment. Cress considers telling her about the earthen prime minister that didn't want to come to the wedding and was trying to make a political statement. But she decides not to because she didn't want to know what would happen to him or his family. This girl, how old is Cress? 16? We don't know, but we know that she's been there since for seven years, and we know she got there before the age of 10. Like 15, 16, 17, somewhere in there. And she has just the weight of the universe on her. She is just the responsibility of this poor child and the fact that she knows it, that she knows that one little comment that she makes could get someone killed thousands of miles away. Not just someone, like endanger his whole family. It is, yeah, it is so much. And talk about serendipitous. This person has no idea that his life and the lives of his family are right now currently in the hands of a shell orbiting Earth in a satellite. A child. That most people don't even know she exists. No. She decides not to tell Sybil, and Sybil says, okay, well, is there any progress with the cyborg? No. Mm-hmm. And Sybil's starting to get suspicious that there hasn't been any progress with the cyborg. Yeah. Because she says, do you suppose, Crescent, that her ability to go without detection is due to a similar technique that we use to disguise our ships? Maybe. Uh-huh. She's a mechanic. It could happen. There's some software jamming. Well, can you detect that? Well, if she says yes, then Sybil's going to be like, why didn't you already try? So she goes, I don't think so, but I'll try. Yeah. And then Sybil says that she's sick of her excuses. And Cress is like, okay, good. This is the normally of the time that she leaves. This is so sad. This is like the only person in the universe that she interacts with. Yeah. And she is just awful. And right when she's about to leave... Cress says thank you first. She says thank you for bringing me this work. And right when she's about to leave, there's a chime. And it's a message received from mechanic, ETA 41 minutes, need final coordinates. And I had to delete half my notes because I literally, the notes that the Patreon members are getting, I had the, like, exclamation point going on for, like, five rows. I wrote no, and I just did, like, three rows of exclamation points because I felt like being really dramatic, which is very (laughs) on-brand. So she's trying to be nonchalant. Sybil doesn't have any reason to question it. It could be anything. It's it's nothing. It's just, it's a game. It's just a game. It's, It's better if you pretend it's real. Sybil grabs her by the jaw and throws her against the window. Yeah, like, we knew that she was super emotionally abusive and neglectful, but also she is physically abusive. 
physically abusive with like I don't know. Just remember when remember when you and I first started reading Scarlet and we talked about the strength it would take to pick up a man by his throat. Yeah. And Sybil is kind of doing something similar here to Cress. Well, not like lifting her off the ground, but she's grabbing her by the face and physically moving her. She's shoving her against a window. Mm-hmm. I'm. We don't know what size she is, I guess. But like we said in a couple chapters ago, we talked about that we're given the impression that she's a pretty small person. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I don't know. It seems like a lot. It is. It's so much. Press can't get it together. She like she's stumbling. She doesn't know what to say. Press couldn't speak. Her tongue heavy with terror as if she were pinned by a glamour. But this was not magic. This was only a woman strong enough and angry enough to tear Cress's arms from their sockets. To break her skull against the corner of the desk. That is horrifying. That is very powerful. That Sybil holds a lot of power over her and does and can't even use her glamour. Like I, I'm, I'm even just talking to you about it. I'm starting to get anxiety again. Same. Yeah, this whole chapter was rough. This yeah. Was rough. Yeah. So Sybil says, how long have you been chatting with her? And again, Crest tries to play it off. She says, oh, it's only been a day. I was just trying to earn her trust. And Sybil slaps her so hard that she falls to the ground. Which takes me back. This takes me back to when Audrey slapped Cinder so hard that she hit her head on the wall. Do you remember that? Ugh. I hate these people hitting children. Not okay. No, it's not okay. Sybil says, no, you were hoping they'd come and rescue you. After she saved her from her parents who were trying to kill her, Cress says she was trying to help. She was trying to bring Cinder to Sybil. She was going to deliver her to Sybil. And Sybil says, well, at least you've been, you've finally done something useful. I just, I hate Sybil so much. It's awful. She is awful. Like, the way that she treats Cress as not a human, as completely worthless, as it just as I just want to get through it. So Cress runs away, which is awesome. <laughs> I love this part. Um, Her instincts kick in, right? Yes, she's so awesome. She's so awesome for a second here. Yeah, she just, like, her instincts kick in, and she trips on her hair, and she just, like, runs. And all of a sudden, you know, she's in the pod ship where it's docked, that, and there's there's Jason. There's a royal guard because someone knows she's alive. Someone knows she exists other than Sybil. And this has got to just be another in the world knew she existed and another lunar and they never tried to help her. Yep. Like if she did not hate the world already, how could she not knowing that someone else in the world knew that she existed and knew, I'm sure, how Sybil was abusing her. And, and being held captive. And helped, helped Sybil. Yeah. Because she's a captive slave. 
It's so heartbreaking. It is. And his response when she asks for help is, I don't suppose you killed her. Very cryptic. Okay, okay, thank you, because also I picture him in this moment as um, the dude from Wizard of Oz when Dorothy kills the witch and the guy's like, you killed her. And then he's like, oh, hell, Dorothy. <laughs> like, I picture Jason as that guy wearing that hat. Yeah. I picture him, like, I know it's not a car, but I always picture, like, a car and he, like, rolled down the window and is, like, leaning over and is like, did you get her? <laughs> but I, I like his reaction because he's not, like, he's not, like, oh, my God, let me help you, which he should be. But he's also not like, oh, no, I need to capture you and put you back. He's like, let me weigh my options here. If you already killed her, I don't need to have a quick reaction. (laughs) Did you kill her? But he doesn't say, oh, my God, did you kill her? He says, I don't suppose you killed her. Hey, yeah. So he's like, don't you hope you didn't think it's easy on me. Yeah. And, okay, I mean, obviously, like, morally, from our perspective, yes, of course, he absolutely needs to help Crest. Right. I would not expect him to, regardless of how good or bad of a person he is. That is a very tough situation to be in and betraying somebody like Sybil with the power that Sybil has is huge. So I don't know that I would judge him or blame him because you have to think about like what the Canadian prime minister is dealing with, right? Because it's not just him. Who does he know? Who does he love and care about that Sybil could also hurt? Because they don't do they don't just go after you. Mm-hmm. They exactly. go after the people that matter to you. Exactly. It's not just self preservation, it's protection. The, yep. Protecting what's yours. Yep. Yeah. So that's kind of a big deal. But Sybil shows up before we get a chance to really see if he does care. And says, Jason, we are about to have company. Separate yourself from this satellite, but stay close enough to have good visual without drawing suspicion. When an earthen ship draws close, they will likely release one pod ship. Wait until the pilot has boarded this satellite and then rejoin us using the opposite entry hatch. I will ensure the clamp is pre-extended. So there's a bit of an A hatch. It's really simple. In another chapter, there was a throwaway sentence about how the... Satellite only had one working entry hatch, but they actually both worked, just never needed to use it. Right, yes, you just didn't know that the other one worked because it had never been tested, right? Right. So he nods, there's no question, no thought to disobey, he just does what he's told. Sybil drags her by her hair, and here's where we get what I love. Tosses her like a bag of broken android parts. I want to explain why I like this. The phrase, like a bag of broken android parts, is a colloquialism that Marissa created just for this. Like, because what would we say? Like a bag of, um, like we say like a rag doll, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a thing. But she tosses her like a bag of broken android parts. I just like that. I like that Marissa was like, I'm going to make my own colloquialism for my series. Why not? Like, for sure. And also, though, you know, the way that 
people in the Commonwealth look at androids. Yes. Is so similar to me to the way that lunars look at shells. Yeah, there's a very good direct parallel there. Yeah. With the exception, with the exception of that lunars have actually taken to infanticide. True. To eliminate shells altogether. True. And androids are, and cyborgs are this like tolerated evil. Right. Yeah. But it's definitely very like dehumanizing the way that, that they're treated. And so just bag of, bag of like worthless. Yeah. Worthless junk that doesn't, it doesn't matter. It once served a purpose, but it no longer does. Yep. She comes to the realization that she will never be free. Sybil is going to kill her and Cinder and Carswell Thorne. I suppose I should thank you. Lynn Cinder is going to come to me and our queen will be so pleased. Bending down Sybil grasps Chess's chin in a claw-like grip. Unfortunately, I don't think you'll survive long enough to receive your reward. And that is the end of chapter eight. And even though we did spend an hour on tangents, this chapter still took over an hour to talk about. So that is why it is by itself. Okay. And I thought, I was like, oh, this is such a short chapter. This is like, there's so much going on. There really is. I don't like most of it, but yeah. So what was your song choice? You know, Bethany, that is a real good question. I know I sent it to you. Dream Lover you're... by Mariah Carey. Oh, yeah, Dream Lover. Yes! <laughs> okay, and it took me a while to figure out what that song was called. Because all I knew was, come rescue me, right? Yeah, and uh, all I knew was just that part of the lyrics, but I couldn't remember the Dream Lover part. I just remembered the come rescue me part. And I'm, like, Googling, like, trying to figure out, like, what the heck is this? Like, what? <laughs> it took me forever to figure it out, but absolutely, yes. I I just was singing that the whole, like, first half of the chapter as I was reading. Like, I was just humming that to myself. It just thinking right away. The, thinking of the positive part of the chapter where she's about to get rescued. I suppose, yes, yes, that part was very Pollyanna um, on brand of me. So I chose Fighting for My Life by Savannah Uten. I chose it because the lyrics are about trying to fight for your life from someone who's holding you captive. And I felt like that was kind of on brand. So like some of the lyrics are, you tried to lock the door with me forever, but I broke my own way out. Did your best to twist the lie and hold me under till I couldn't see. Tried your hardest to take and break the voice that I have deep inside me. You tried to lock the door with me forever, but I broke my own way out. Just so much about, like, somebody keeping you captive and you're fighting for your life. You're trying really hard to survive. That song, like, immediately I couldn't think of what it was. I remembered, like, some of the song, but, like, I was, like, as soon as I got done with that chapter, I was like, what was that one song from Disney Channel when I was in junior high? And that opens this whole mess of things in your head, right? Like, this is like a kaleidoscope coming out of my brain of like random Disney movies. So I finally figured it out. It took a while, but I thought I could remember was like fighting, fighting, fighting for my life. That was all I could remember. And eventually after like 45 minutes of typing that in, do you know how many songs have crap like that in it? I remembered her name. 
and I was able to figure it out that way. So that was my song choice. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I'm not, I was not familiar with that, but I did not have Disney Channel. I mean, I watched some Lizzie McGuire, but I don't think I, and even Stevens, and that was pretty much the extent of my Disney Channel watching was just those two shows. Yeah. I mean, that song came out a very long time ago. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think of when it would have come out. The music video came out in 2009, so a year after I graduated high school. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what was your quote? What was my quote? Because we uh, switched this week, right? Normally, I have a morbid quote, and you pick something fun and interesting. Yes. Yes. Okay. Bottom of page 81. The door shut behind them, dividing her from the exit, from her freedom. And with its familiar clang, she knew she would never be free. Mm. It's freaking heartbreaking. And I'm sorry, but, like, that is how I felt reading the entire, like, second half of this chapter. It's just, like, severe anxiety. I hate it so hard. And that is why, like, I am reading ahead and now on chapter 33 and things, spoiler alert, guys, things get better. Yeah, I suppose that's not too big of a spoiler. They do get better. Hang in there with us. Plot twist. Okay. Obviously things get better because there are more books, right? So, you know, like, Okay, this book is called Crest, and we're only on chapter 8, and there are a lot of chapters. So, like, she doesn't get killed off in chapter 9, right? I mean, I think right. I need to say that. So, mine is page 70. I kind of cut a couple words out of the middle to make it sound like what I wanted it to sound like. So, mine is true love, the kind that filled up a person's soul. Mm. I am just such a hopeless romantic, and I thought that sounded so sweet, so I wanted it. It is sweet. I love it. Yeah. So for today, there was one Easter egg. The word hair appeared 16 times. Oh, my gosh. I know. And next week, we're going to cover Chapter 9. Until next time, rate, review, and subscribe. Follow on Instagram, join the Patreon and get a chance to be a guest on one of the episodes with me. God, I love that. <laughs> Stay safe, use hand sanitizer, wear a mask, and you can buy a Prince Kai fan pod mask on our merch website. Woohoo! <laughs> and until next time, don't get glamoured. Get glamoured! Bye! The passages read for you today are from Press by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger, and today's special guest was former co-host Rebecca Baker. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pava, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening.